Morning. Morning. These are my friends. You can say, well, good morning, friends. Yeah, see, that was pretty easy. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? We'll start with you there at the end. Hi, my name is Debbie Blackport, and I have the um, privilege of working with Pastor Nathan and supporting the worship team. We may or may not have too much fun during the week. Um, but one of my um, other titles that I go by that I really love is Nana to my four grandchildren. Awesome. My name is Scott Brookins. I have the honor of serving as an elder here at uh, Chapel Point, married to beautiful wife Christina, and I have three kids as well. Um, yeah, and honored to be here this morning. Awesome. Morning. Uh, my name is Ado Zalstra, also one of the elders here. Uh, married to Christy Zalstra somewhere in here, uh, for 27 years, have three kids. Um, Ellen, who's married to Tyler Waterway, she's 25, Jonas is 23, and my youngest is 20, Noah. Um, I'm a physical therapist here locally, um, been attending Chapel Point with my wife and family since 14. Um, yeah. Awesome. Glad you guys are here. Thanks for coming. Let's talk about, um, so there's a, there are lots of scripture um, lots of scripture I'm sure you all are familiar with. Tell us about um, a piece of scripture that has impacted your relationship with Jesus, that has impacted your intimacy with God, whoever wants to start. Um, as of recent, the last few years, Proverbs 4.23 talks about above all guarding your heart. And um, I think when it says above all, and then it says, because out of it, everything flows. Mm -hmm. And when you think about that in a world that's going more and more contrary to God's word, mm -hmm. I just want to saturate myself in his promises, in his truth, because in all the crazy, that's where I find complete peace. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. For me, um, it'd probably be Colossians 1.17. Um, Christine and I have kind of adopted that, I guess, as a, a verse to guide our marriage. Um, and it says, um, uh, he's before all things and in him, all things hold together. Um, and so it's this amazing promise, um, that the Lord, um, is, is present in our lives, but, um, he's also been, uh, where we are before we were even entering into that place. Um, and then that he holds all things together. So no matter what it is that we're, we're going through, um, we're not going to be able to hold it together in our own strength, but he can hold it together for us. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Good reminder. Thanks, Brookings. Yeah, so I have, I have two. I might be cheating. The question um, was one. I know. Um, one has been a lifelong uh, pursuit of trying to understand it. It's uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Um, pray incessantly or pray continually. Mm. Um, I just find that that is a unique ask. Um, that's not just you're constantly on your knees, um, but you're just open to what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life and just his voice. Uh, and the other one is um, most people like... Um, Philippians 4, verse 13. Um, I can do all things through, through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, but the context is really important. Um, I have good friends who have that tattooed on their arms or wherever. Um, but what it says before that is really the key, that I have found contentedness um, in abundance, but also having nothing. And this is Paul speaking from a prison cell. Um, and he found the secret uh, to contentedness, and that is Jesus Christ. Um, that's, to me, the, the most important thing in my life is to, to find that contentedness. And it is a, a constant struggle because we tend to rely on our own strength um, way too often. 
That's a good one. Yeah, when you think about, uh, sometimes it's, it's a powerful verse, but then you think about how sometimes we pulled out a little bit out of context and Paul's in the middle of a prison saying, I've learned to be content in all circumstances, right? It's really good. Thank you. Um, next question is, tell us a, a decisive moment in your life when you had to choose between yourself, choosing self, and choosing Christ. So, Brookins, I'm going to go to you with that question. Yeah, so I'd say for myself, um, uh, there was a pretty decisive moment early on in, in my marriage. Um, and at that time, um, I was, I was kind of stuck in the sin of pornography. And it was something that um, I knew was wrong. And I would bring it before the Lord and, and ask his forgiveness. Um, but I continued to just keep that to myself. Um, and, I, and I didn't tell anybody else about it. Um, and so really, that was motivated by self-preservation. Um, I had built up uh, pride in my heart. I didn't necessarily see that, but um, I thought of myself as a good Christian, and I didn't believe that, that Christians struggled with this. I, I thought I was alone, and so I thought I had to hide that, and that um, through my own strength, I could just overcome it um, if I just prayed hard enough and just continued to, to seek the Lord through it. Um, um, and, and, you know, I just kind of continued into that for, for several years, and um, and then there was a, there was a moment um, that my wife and I were, we were going through this marriage study. And it was, a, it was actually, I remember very clearly, it was a Sunday afternoon. And um, as we were going through this study, I just felt the Holy Spirit convict me. And it was just basically saying, You're, I, I offer you freedom, um, and you can live in freedom, but you're continuing to, to choose to live in your own strength, and you're not going to find freedom from this if you don't bring this into the light. Mm. And um, Jesus talks about in chap uh, John chapter three, um, really the distinction between living in darkness and living in light. And um, I was living in darkness. Mm. Um, I knew who God was and who Jesus was, but I wasn't bringing that sin out into the light. Um, and so in that moment, I, I confessed to my wife, my sin um, that I was struggling with. Um, and um, a couple things happened. Um, first thing that happened was I had this incredible weight that was lifted because I, I was able to fully live in the grace of Jesus Christ and what he offered me through his, his uh, death on the cross. Um, and so I felt that grace fully and it was like this weight that was lifted from me when I finally chose Christ over self and self-preservation. Um, but when we, uh, when we sin, there are consequences for our sin. And so there was a lot of pain that was brought in that moment as well. I had, I had wounded my wife. Um, I had broken trust with my wife. Um, and so it, it took us um, some time to overcome that and to work through those things uh, several years. Um, but the interesting thing is as well is in that moment of my confession of my sin to my wife, it presented her with an opportunity. Are you going to choose self or are you going to choose Christ? Because she could have chosen to be angry and to be bitter um, and to kind of live in that bitterness. Um, and uh, instead she chose to, to pursue Christ in that and she offered me grace. And uh, granted, this was not something that happened overnight, right? Like this was something that was a continual process for us. Um, and it took several years for us to kind of work through this. Mm -hmm. But the Lord has blessed us through this journey and he has actually used that um, awful, terrible moment and, and sin that I carried to draw my wife and I closer together in relationship in our marriage. Um, and to draw us, each of us closer together in relationship with him. So this choosing self um, 
although it created significant darkness for a period of my life, it also presented an opportunity when, when Christ was chosen to bring freedom and newness and wholeness. Mm, that's awesome. Uh, Brooke, and so there's w- one of the things I love about your story is you had that deciding moment. And so we live in a world that says, put your best foot forward, right? Social media, people want to put the good things about life on social media. I mean, think about like in the working world, LinkedIn, right? There's even resources for that so that I can try and show this great side of me, but not be honest about where I'm weak. We don't even like, we talk about strengths and opportunities, not strengths and weaknesses. We don't, in the world, we don't like to talk about weakness. So there may be some friends in here this morning who have something that they're also hiding, right? And the weight of that sin makes it increasingly more difficult. But you talk about freedom in Christ. So if someone is here today and they're thinking, oh man, I have that weighty thing in my life that I need to confess and get the Lord's help with, what is the first couple of steps you would suggest they take? Wow. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess what I'd like to say kind of to start on that is, um, you know, the, I think that there's a, there's a lie that um, often is promulgated for individuals that are, are um, uh, kind of wrestling with sin and that it's kind of inside and you haven't confessed it out. And that's that you're alone. Um, and so I believe that lie. I believed with, with my sin, with pornography, that I believed that I was alone. And then when I brought it to the light, I discovered I was not alone. Mm. Um, and so it doesn't matter what it is that you are struggling with. You, there, the truth is, in our family we talk about speaking the truth, the truth is that you are not alone. Um, and so I would say to answer your question, step number one is really to kind of um, recognize and defeat that lie uh, and speak truth to yourself through Jesus Christ that you are not alone in your sin. Um, and so I, I guess what I would say is that there is a community here of people that want to walk with you through whatever it is that you're going through. Um, and that there's probably somebody here that has wrestled with that same thing that you're wrestling with and has found freedom from it. So I would, I would say to start, pray that the Lord would give you just the strength and the courage to seek out help from that. Um, and then from there, um, reach out to somebody here at this church whether it be an, an elder or a pastor or somebody on staff, and they can connect you with somebody that can walk you through whatever it is that you're struggling with. Mm-hmm. Please don't walk it alone. It's um, uh, a good word. The scriptures tell us there's no temptation that's uncommon to man, right? So that's what the devil wants us to believe is that we have to keep this secret to ourselves because we're alone. Thanks for sharing. It's courageous. Ado, same question for you. A decisive moment in your life when you had to choose between yourself and Christ. Only one. Just one. <laughs> um, I'd say the one that probably impacted us the most in um, the best way, I mean, they're all good, um, was in 2013, uh, Christy and I were not seeing eye to eye at all. Um, I, we all have our struggles in marriage, but um, I wasn't leading well. Um, I was focused on work, um, uh, really leaning on my own sufficiency, so to speak. Um, and my mom was uh, dealing with COPD and emphysema, so she was pretty ill. Um, we had promised we'd move back from Colorado after about three years of living there. Um, Fifteen years later, um, we're still in Colorado, but we both felt um, just a lot of discontent and, um, I don't know, we, just, we were not um, acting as a married couple should. And I take the ownership of that. I was not leading well. I was not... 
um, encouraging her, praying for her, spending time in the word. Um, yeah, just living a life of, of, of a person who's not a believer. Mm. Um, so when my mom was sick, um, I lost an aunt who I was very close with, and, and that just um, put in me this need to move back to Michigan. Um, my wife was not happy uh, with this. I had two businesses in Colorado still, um, so there's a lot of things we had to figure out with that, um, but just felt very strongly called. Um, and it, it put us in a really challenging place um, to the point where, you know, if there was any moment we would divorce, that would have been it. Um, but we both submitted to God through a very challenging process um, and just recognized that we were meant to be uh, in relationship with each other, um, but not through our own strength and sufficiency. So it was, it was centering on that, um, centering that on, on Christ's love and what Christ um, is doing for us um, and has done for us. So we moved here. Um, quickly got involved with Chapel Point in 2014, um, which was an amazing answer to prayer. Um, kind of fast forward a bit through this time, we really, we still kind of stayed on the sidelines, um, didn't get involved very much, um, which was a mistake. Um, but I think we were also healing um, through that. Um, and then went through the Men of Influence class and it was like a 12 step program for men. Um, it was excellent, um, changed me. Um, How? Um, broke me um, in a lot of ways. Um, finding um, the secret, so to speak, of Christ being our sufficiency and, and recognizing that um, being strong means you're also gentle and you lead well, um, but you lead by serving, um, which again, is, it's a constant struggle for me. I'm very independent, um, very prideful. Um, that we talk about this a lot, where it's just a constant struggle of finding humility in life um, and relying on God. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, uh, you hear a theme in both, both of these is that you come to one of the decision points is you have to openly confess. I am prideful. I have a struggle with pornography. I am not leading my wife like I should. That there is... When you bring that out into the open, it's effectively saying, when, when, you know, get behind me, Satan. Like, I see you, you're hiding behind the rock. I want to expose that and bring it into the light so that I can pursue um, healing. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. So just a real quick comment on that. So what we saw as we flipped the switch, so to speak, and started truly putting Christ in the center was a massive change in our kids. Mm. Um, we didn't realize, I didn't realize the impact we were having in a negative way on our children. Um, and I'm like, I, I can look at them now and, and be very, in the right way, pr proud of them yeah. um, for truly seeking after Christ as well. Mm. And I, I don't believe they'd be there had we mm. not gone through that process ourselves. Mm. Yeah, you have, in, in order to regrow in some ways, you have to be broken, right? There's a really cool translation of um, uh, the Beatitudes when it says, blessed are you when you come to the end of your rope because then there's less of you and more of God. And so may we all pray that we come to the end of our rope. Um, Debbie, so tell us about, um, for you, the greatest thing that pulls you away from the gospel, and then how do you handle that? Um, 
I think the greatest pull and temptation for me, as I thought about this, there's always several, but um, a little bit of history. I grew up in a single parent home, just mom and I, and um, from a very early age, I asked God and journaled for very specific things in a husband, mm. um, wanted two girls 18 months apart, like very specific. Wow, <laughs> and, um, you know, God says if it's good for you, he will give it to you. And um, so I've been blessed with an incredible husband who is a servant leader. Um, he just, he loves me well, he loves me fiercely, and I'm grateful for that. I have two daughters, 18 months apart. Um, <laughs> I started praying at a young age for their um, spouses, so my son-in-laws are, again, I'm just incredibly blessed, and God has answered those prayers, um, and now four grandchildren. So you pray for these things, and God gives them to you, but I have found from being married to Mike um, for 36 years, and the first time I hold my first daughter, I realized I have to give all these humans back to Jesus. Um, there is such a huge temptation to love them more than him, um, to think that I have a better way. You know, I'm a mom. I always have an opinion. Um, so the temptation for me is to just esteem them and think about them and do for them um, and put them before God. And um, it wasn't until my daughters were adult and functioning humans in society I realized um, it was almost a fear of them not needing me. And um, that's a huge pull away from God and his truth. And um, it's taken me a while. I'm conquering it slowly. But I also, every morning, I just ask God to be with all of them, to do his will in their life, um, to step out of the way mm. and not, um, not butt in where I don't need to, but to be an encourager, to be a prayer warrior. Um, and, and it is, it's, it's very tricky. Um, but that's, that's my biggest pull is I just, I want to step away because I don't want them to hear my voice. I want them to hear God's voice. So that's probably the biggest pull for me, um, is that temptation to love them more than God. We talked about, thank you for sharing that. We talked about that the other day, you and I, about the surrendering your children and if you have a family and been blessed with a family or part of a family, what a gift. But when Jesus, he has some hard teachings. And one of them that we were talking about is, you, essentially, you have to effectively hate everything else, right? In order, in order, it doesn't mean you hate, right? It doesn't mean you hate your kids. It doesn't mean you hate your parents. You love them, but you got to keep them in the right order. You have to surrender them to the Lord. It's a hard thing. What, um, how do you do that? Like on a, on a, you talked about praying for them daily. How do you, what does that look like? How do you surrender your family on a daily basis to make sure that Jesus takes top priority? Praying is the biggest thing. Um, and praying for them individually in the things that I may see. Um, cause navigating adult kids is tricky. Anybody doing that? Um, so I think God, in keeping my mouth closed, that's, I pray for that a lot. Mm. But if you do see things, um, it, it's just constantly praying for them. Mm. It's like I said in the Bible verse, being saturated in God's mm. word. Um, I have what I call a battle book. Mm. So I've got everybody's name in there with a verse. Um, I don't pray that prayer daily, but it's a verse that 
is brought to my mind when I think of that child or that grandchild or Mike. Um, so that is, that is my, just, just looking to God, I have to realize if, if they're all taken away from me, am I okay? Mm. And I, I, I would miss them and I would be sad and it would be painful, but I'm okay. Mm. That's a good word. Uh, Brookins, uh, to you and a couple minutes on this question. Um, same thing. What's the thing that pulls you away from the gospel the most and how do you handle it? For me, I would say it's, um, it's probably selfishness that pulls me away from the gospel the most. Um, and so uh, just kind of from my own personal story, interestingly, is kind of reflecting on this question. Um, like when I was stuck in my sin of, uh, of pornography, if you had asked me like and gotten me to actually be honest about what was going on in my life, I would have said, yeah, like once I, once I conquer you know, pornography, I'm going to be good, right? Mm-hmm. So then the Lord um, gave me freedom from it, which was awesome. And then all of a sudden, like, it was like that was a block to me of all these other things that were going on in my life that were really separating me from, from God as well. So um, he gave me greater clarity from that. And so when I started to kind of realize some of those things, it was like, oh, man, yeah, there's a lot more work that's got to be done here. Um, and selfishness, I think, you know, I want what I want. I mean, I think all, all of us kind of struggle with that. And I want it, you know, when I want it. And if it doesn't go my way, then it can spiral into other sin, like additional selfishness and, and bitterness and anger and um, and so, you know, for me, as um, you know, I just I love um, uh, Galatians five. I think Paul just like nails it in there where he talks about the contradiction between the flesh and the spirit, yep. right? And so, um, as the Lord has revealed this to me, it's, like, there are times where I can like physically feel like the flesh pulling me mm. away from the spirit when you know a situation happens and there's this like selfishness that kind of wants to manifest as bitterness and anger and can like feel that happening as the mm. Lord has revealed that to me. Mm. I would say the, the, the way that I have um, kind of worked through this has been through prayer, exactly mm. what you've talked about. Um, and, and there's a recognition of what those sins are um, that I'm struggling with and then presenting those before the Lord. And then also at the same time, praying through the fruits of the spirit, mm. which Paul lists in Galatians five, mm. because as much as I want to be more loving and more patient and more self-controlled and all of those things that we should be pursuing um, uh, in the spirit, I'm not necessarily capable of doing that on my own. Right, I can't just right. like elbow my way to be more loving, yeah. right? Like it's got to be the Lord working in me um, to, to bring about those fruit. things. Yeah. yeah. So through prayer, I think is is a big part of that. Yeah. That's good. Thank you for sharing. I think about the Bible verse that says, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit." It doesn't say try not to do so many things out of selfish ambition. It's like. So how do we aspire? And we do aspire to that. But how do we do that? It can only be through the power of the Spirit. That's really good. Um, we're going to wrap up here with just one final thing I'd love to hear quickly from you all. When you think about your prayers for this church, what's the greatest thing you're praying for for Chapel Point? Ado, you go first. 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Pressure. Um, one for the leadership. Um, and not getting in the way of what God's doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't noticed, it's pretty awesome to be a part of this church and the movement that God has here. Um, but we're just being used. He doesn't need us, um, but he wants to use us. And so it's, it's to do that without selfishness and pride. Mm, that's good. Thank you. Brookins. So my, my greatest prayer is just that the gospel continues to be the center of the pursuit of this church. Mm. And, um, 
you know, the reality is, is in the society that we're living in, the culture that we're living in, there's an intense amount of pressure for even um, bodies of believers to capitulate to what, um, what culture is saying we should do. Yeah. Uh, but we have to keep the gospel the center. And so that's my deepest prayer for us is that that would continue to make, be, um, continue to be our foundation as we that's, move forward. Yeah, that's really good. The world needs hope and hope has a name. His name is Jesus. We've got to keep it centered. How about you, Debbie? Um, I'm right there on the same lines that we just continue to preach the gospel and truth mm. and um, clarity and then also help people walk in that truth. Mm. You know, like you said, find, find the courage to find somebody so that you can walk in the freedom Scott was talking about and in the truth of God's word and be at that peace that there's no understanding of. There's just nothing better. It's really good. Thank you. Um, I want to close with this, and then I'm going to pray for us. We started by reading this verse. It's Philippians 3. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. And he's talking about kind of reaching the, the pinnacle of his faith in Jesus. But there is one thing that I do. I forget what lies behind. I, for, I forget, in some ways, I forget the brokenness because I've been made new. I forget what lies behind and I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So then I say to you all the last verse as an encouragement, brothers and sisters, join in imitating these leaders of our church. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in them. I appreciate your courage. I appreciate your humility appreciate your authenticity. Um, thank you for sharing time with us. I want to pray, and then we're going to worship. Father God, I, um, I do come to you in humility today, Lord, thanking you not only for the gift of Jesus. What a gift. In our brokenness, you, you saw fit to come down and redeem us yourself. And we say thank you thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied to us. And God, I thank you that you have blessed this church with leaders who have real stories about their brokenness that they're willing to share. God, if there is brokenness holding people in this room today captive, where they feel like they're stuck in the darkness, they can't share what's really going on in their life because they don't want to be exposed. Father, I ask you to give them the courage to expose it to the light today that you might begin a redeeming, healing work in their life. And we know that as we seek to be transformed followers of Jesus, the one who can produce that transformation is you, Lord, through Holy Spirit. So we ask that you'd produce those fruits in us. You give us the courage to take a next step. And that we would always, always, always remember in humility, in selflessness, that never giving up, never stopping, always and forever love of Jesus. And we pray this in his mighty name. Amen.